This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast. Hello, nerds. Coming to you from a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. It's Saturday Morning Serial Podcast. I'm Mike Simic. Here with my girlfriend and co-host Amanda Ann, and today we are going to be discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi, which has just completed its six-episode run on Disney+. Plus. You can now stream it. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi is, of course, starring Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, and Hayden Christensen returning to the role of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. We're going to be joined by two special guests today. My actress friend, very talented, Marshall, is here. And my brother-in-law and his history teacher, historian, world traveler, Chris, is here to talk with us. So let's, let's get into it. All right. And I want to welcome back Saturday Morning Serial fam, Marshall. Back to the podcast and big fan of Star Wars. And Marshall, you like Ewan, right? That's your favorite actor. I love Ewan. I love Ewan McGregor very, very much. Yeah. My my love of Ewan McGregor actually started with Star Wars. That's awesome. And we have a new fam, Chris, on. And Chris is one of the biggest Star Wars fans we know. Hey, everyone. Glad to have you on, Chris. (laughs) So excited. And let's get started on our discussion. Mike kick us off so let's talk about the show fitting into canon and if this was something that you necessarily felt was needed because i had i know a lot of people complained about like when the han solo movie came out like you know is this necessary we already know how how this ends like chris and marshall was this something that you felt you needed to see and after having watched it do you felt it earn its place in Star Wars canon? It was something I wanted to see. I don't know if I absolutely needed it, but it was something I wanted. Um, I was always really curious about how Obi-Wan spent his time in the years between bringing Luke and Leia to the Organas and then Luke's aunt and uncle and then, you know, the, the start of episode four. Like, what happened? What did he do with his time? So it's really cool to see the the adventures and what he got up to. Yeah, I think I was kind of in the same boat of, do I need it? But I definitely wanted it. Um, I think for the, uh, the, the basis of the story for me, I know like there were some questions that I've always had between episode three and A New Hope of Anakin, Darth Vader, who he was, and then Obi-Wan and where he is at that point. I felt like there was enough, I mean, you have 19 years between, you know, him becoming Darth Vader and, you know, the final confrontation on the Death Star. And so, you know, I felt like there was definitely something to be told there. Um, I wasn't sure how it was going to be played out. Uh, and I will just say I was happy. I was very happy uh, with with what I ended up seeing. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get further into that. <laughs> so my old boss is he's such a star wars fan my god and chris you know you've been to my old place of employment and it's like a comic book shop he has a flipping like 
life-size Darth Vader, Boba Fett, etc. So I talked to him about this because he's a massive Darth Vader fan. I mean, he's got everything Vader. <laughs> and he said that one of the good things about this show is that it kind of connects the bridge between Leia needing Obi-Wan Kenobi's help and how that kind of came out of nowhere in episodes four, five, and six. And this series kind of bridged the gap between that. I would so say I another, really yeah, I think another thing that it did too, and I don't, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think, you know, talking about, you know, things that it fulfilled and, and weren't maybe expecting it is why would Leia name her son after somebody that you barely even think she knew? You know, she right. names her kid Ben Solo. But now, now we know who he is to her. And Now um, I fully understand why his name is Ben. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't think so, of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't want to jump ahead, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's start talking about... Um, Obi-Wan's just general character arc and where we find him and his uh, exuberant portrayal by Ewan McGregor. So, um, is, so, like, Chris Marshall, like, is Ewan McGregor, like, your Obi-Wan Kenobi, or are you still an original OG fan with Alec McGinnis? Marshall, go ahead, because Ewan's, Ewan's your guy. You can start, so... <laughs> Ewan is definitely my Obi-Wan. Um, I love McGinnis in, you know, the original trilogy, but um, I find myself more drawn to the younger Obi-Wan and his state of mind. Um, and it was really cool to see how he be- started to have the state of mind that, you know, McGinnis is dead. Um, but... Ian, Ian is my guy. I just, when I think Obi-Wan, that's who I think of. Yeah, for me, when I think of Obi-Wan, I think of Seth Green and his voice of him in Robot Chicken. Um, <laughs> no, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where Ewan, to me, was like Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, or, you know, you'll always think back to somebody like Sean Connery as who really started it. Uh, you know, and Alec Guinness, I think, just exuded this wisdom, this age. But Ewan was never really that Jedi. He, he never really was meant to be that Jedi in the prequels. And so when this series came about, it felt like you were going to maybe see a little bit of that gap um, and, and, and trying to get that filled in. And I, I think they did a, a pretty decent job of leading you up to a point. Um, I'm not going to, you know, say at the very, very end, because obviously I'm sure that will be a point of conversation of, you know, where it's going to go. But uh, I felt like this was a transition between episode three, Obi-Wan, and uh, A New Hope, Obi-Wan. And I think they did a really good job with that. So, um, you know, for me to say who is my my Obi-Wan, I, I cannot say, <laughs> you know, um, I love Ewan McGregor's performance. I love Alec Guinness's performance. I love James Arnold Taylor uh, as, you know, the voice actor for Obi-Wan and the Clone Wars and, and all these other iterations too. And so, um, you know, there's just this, just this wide breadth of people who have played this character. But I think uh, Ewan, particularly in the series, did a great job of kind of bringing all of those portrayals together into one and so I did a great job of kind of transitioning those things. And um, honestly, I think he was also given material to act in a way that he hasn't been able before. 
Um, you know, particularly in the finale, uh, I was bawling along with him uh, at, the, at the, you know, so his you, final Mike? confrontation. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was top notch, top notch from him. Mm -hmm. I just remember being a child and my brother. I mean, he was so small when these movies came out in the 90s, but he latched on to these films and Obi-Wan Kenobi, he really liked. So I can't see and I was kind of introduced to the movies later, the original movies. And um, so Ewan's kind of my first Obi-Wan. So he holds kind of a special place in my heart. Yeah, for me, I I, I guess Obi-Wan is just Obi-Wan. I don't particularly manifest him as one actor or another. I just, he's always just been like this, this really developed character within the Star Wars universe who just really owns up to his his mistakes and and the fact that we got to see sort of like the bridge between a fallen jedi and like a wise old mentor in this series was incredible and it was good seeing him kind of develop that because my biggest like question of the series when it started was okay so we know that he's gonna be on tatooine when the show starts and we know he's going to be on tattooing when the show ends. And how how do we create a meaningful journey where we can get him in a different place emotionally, even though he's in the same spot physically? So, yeah, I mean, it Obi Wan is just Obi Wan to me. They're all three actors are are, are great. So uh, let's let's talk about uh, Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. Oh, so. Good. so uh, I remember when a, a couple years ago, like uh, Hayden Christensen, who plays Anakin Skywalker and returned as Darth Vader in the show, was talking about how he wouldn't come back as Darth Vader because it, he would just be a, a glorified body double at that point uh, with James Earl Jones, you know, dubbing over his voice and, and you know, he, has, he wouldn't get a lot of FaceTime. But for whatever reason, he decided to come back to this show. So obviously he got some FaceTime. He got to use his own voice. So uh, how how perfectly does does this show bridge the Anakin that we saw fall in episode three and the Darth Vader that we get in episode four? I want to say first. I am so happy that Hayden got to have another chance within Star Wars. Um, yes. I, I feel like, and it's, it's the same thing of like Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd and, and people of the prequels that there was this harsh reaction to them that they were not given the proper chance to do what they could do. And, um, and Hayden getting to come back as Darth Vader, as Anakin in, you know, flashbacks and, uh, you know, visions and, and these kinds of things. Um, I think one, I mean, it adds credence to him showing up at the end of return of the Jedi. Um, it makes you add some more questions as to who's this weird old guy that Luke's talking to now on, you know, the shuttle platform. Um, but I think, I think Hayden knew what the story was going to be. Uh, the fact that it wasn't just going to be him behind the mask uh, and you would actually see him uh, in that role. And um, I was just really happy to see him 
not only get this chance, but also the reaction that fans have been giving to him, kind of the love that he's getting again. Uh, I just think back to the you know footage from Celebration and the fans just going crazy for him. Um, you know, he, he's kind of getting his own redemption uh, as a member of the Star Wars community. And I'm, I'm just really happy for him in that. But I think he was phenomenal. Uh, this this was a great depiction of Darth Vader. Um, the torment, the pain, the torture, uh, all of those things that, you know, make Darth Vader a character. He, he just did so well in his actions, his physical actions, um, and uh, just did a really, really good job with this. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm ecstatic to see Hayden come back. Um, and especially to get to see like those little flashbacks and things. It's, it was very, it was very nostalgic for me. I'll admit it. Um, I don't think that people realize how good of an actor he actually is because when he did Star Wars, that was like the beginning of his career and he wasn't that great yet. <laughs> so like it was it was the beginning and honestly, I hate to say it because I love Star Wars so much. Um but the first three movies scripts were not fantastic. No. Um, <laughs> they they were kind of bad. Um so it, it was for me like all the hate that he got that I remember back then was a for me is attributed to he's very new he's very green this is his first like big thing and then the writing wasn't great so it's been nice to see it's nice to see how the writing has evolved for star wars and how he's evolved and how wonderfully he was able to portray darth vader in using his own voice for certain things and then getting to see those flashbacks and him stepping back into Anakin. It was really, really wonderful to see. Can we just talk about at the end where it's James Earl Jones's voice and, and Hayden's voice, like just intermixed together during just that whole defeat and fight scene. Oh my God. Like that blew my mind. Yeah, um, I, I'm i going to agree with Marshall on the fact that, you know, these prequel movies weren't set up from, weren't set up to highlight great actors. Uh, George Lucas mm -hmm. is famously a non-actor director, and most of his feedback is, you know, faster, more intense. So for these characters to be handed off to... Uh, someone else and and given a chance to have different dialogue and to have different directors and then to come with their own levity of having played the characters before and coming into a place where they have an understanding of of who of what fan Star Wars fans are like now having that love was was great mm -hmm. so let's talk about the inquisitors mm -hmm. uh, we got some I really liked how they tied the Inquisitors back to episode three and how they tied it all back into like the raid on the Jedi temple. So how, how great was our antagonist this season and her, and her growth kind of mirroring Anakin Skywalker's in, in reverse. Mm -hmm. 
I loved Moses's performance. Like I actually had a dream about her the other night. Like I was running away from her, and I, for me, that's solid. That's a solid antagonist. <laughs> when I'm just like, if she's on my mind. I just I loved her performance. It was great. She was so intense and anger filled. I feel like almost every time she was on screen, she was almost stealing the show. Yes. Because of how wonderful she was portraying the character. And yes, she was an awesome mirror of Anakin and what Mm -hmm. he was like. And it's really funny that I've seen things online of people complaining about how emotional she was and how revenge driven she was. And, and then there are other memes that are like, um, you guys are complaining about this, but it's Anakin. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) like she's supposed to, or in my head, she's supposed to be this mirror of Anakin. Um, but you know, the difference being that, I mean, she's able to show mercy. Yeah. I I think, no, sorry. (laughs) I I think, um, yeah, I think when it's things started off for the show, I I was kind of hesitant, um, you know, already having, been introduced to inquisitors before it was like okay here's another one where is she coming from and um and and trying to kind of figure out where it kind of fit in the timeline of inquisitors and rebels and jedi fallen order and all these other places you know the comics where we've seen inquisitors before um and so it, it was kind of a little bit of a getting used to somebody new um and i really am looking forward to a time to re-watch this series just all at once to see her full character growth um, because by the end, I mean, I was right there with her in that desert when she's just breaking down and I'm like, wow, I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling this emotion myself too. Um, you know, episode six, I was, that, that was a, a rough episode for, you know, for tear ducks for me, because I mean, every performance was just on point uh, and, and Moses Ingram was, you know, knocked out of the park. Uh, you know, all these criticisms I've seen of like, she's a terrible actor. I'm like, Yale School of Acting, I think she knows what she's doing more than most of you people are making comments. Uh, you know, she was just phenomenal in, in everything that she did. And like I said, I think a rewatch is, I'm going to really probably appreciate some of those earlier episodes a little bit more. Because she just did, like you said, had this intensity, this anger, this vengeance that um, I wasn't expecting. And so I think it kind of took me off a little bit. But now seeing her character growth, where she started, where she ended, I think it's just going to only improve with each watch. Yeah, I think she's a great stand-in for, like, the millennial generation and uh, onward from that just because of, like, the trauma that she endured at mm-hmm. her school and how she had to, like, grow and cope with that. And the way she did was just, like, anger and, and fear. And she was able to grow and move past her trauma and kind of end the cycle of violence in the opposite way of, of Anakin. Uh, great performance as well. I mean, she flew the Death Star down my tear duct and, and <laughs> shot it. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. I, th- I think you brought up a really good point, though, too, is just the theme of this show of dealing with trauma um, you know, everybody, you know, in terms of kind of our main characters, we're dealing with trauma in, in different forms. Obi-Wan dealing with the trauma of losing his apprentice and, and Vader dealing with the trauma of what he became, uh, you know, 
Reva, you know, her trauma and who she ended up becoming and, and just how do you deal and process with that trauma? And, you know, do you take it head on? Do you, uh, you know, recess back into yourself and, you know, and, and just, it really speaks to psychology in a way that in my opinion, Star Wars really hasn't done all that much of. And when it has, fans usually give backlash because you look at The Last Jedi, you know? So that that kind of introspective factor uh, was was unique and really made this series stand out to me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Obi-Wan's rebel friend and uh, in disguise um, Imperial officer. Is it Niche? Niche? Anyone know who else I'm talking about? His his female friend who helps him. Um, Are you talking about Tala? Tala. You're Tala, Tala. Yes. Yeah. Tala. Tala. Where did yeah. I, 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 okay. I don't know. That was that was I'm Mercy Alvarez. Excuse me. Okay, let's talk about Tala. Yeah. <laughs> but I um, I loved seeing Tala. I part of why I loved this series so much is getting to see so many strong women. Yes, me too. It's, it, I, uh, the, th- the thing that Star Wars has always done well was show us strong women. And e- they do it even more so in, in this series with Tala, with Leia, with Reva. They show us these wonderful, strong women. And I especially believe that of Tala, considering she was willing to sacrifice herself for the cause to make sure that Obi-Wan and Leia and everyone else were safe. That- I really enjoyed I really enjoyed how Tala told one of the stormtroopers, like, you will call me sir. And I was like, come through. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I, I, I think one of the things with Tala that I really liked too was she's another one of those redemption stories of the series. Joined the Empire thinking that it was the right thing to do, but then when she realized what it was, did something else, made a choice. And and that's what Star Wars always has been. It's, you know, the choices that you make in life and uh, dealing with the consequences of those choices. And the choice that she made was, I am going to fight from the inside, basically, um, and try to help whoever I can. And um, I think, you know, even the line of where, uh, I'm blanking right now of, of where it came from, who said what, but where she basically said like, no, this is who I am. This is, you know, I've chosen this, you know, when, when Reva's, oh yeah, when she's, you know, saying like all this for a, a young girl and an old man and, you know, all this kind of stuff, you'd give this all up. She's like, no, this, this is who I am. This is who I really am. And so I think seeing that, um, you know, and, you know, Indira Varma, just phenomenal actress anyways, uh, and, you know, her, her end, you know, she always said that, you know, she was upset that her end on Game of Thrones wasn't done on camera. You know, she got to have her heroic end, you know, on camera. Uh, for this series. Uh, so, you know, she's just another one of those standouts. And I really want, obviously we won't see anything after this point, but I, I, th- I would love to see her come up again in other stories, whether in book comics of kind of this, you know, story of the path, maybe she shows up in, you know, the sequel to, you know, Jedi fallen order and, you know, Jedi survivor, because they say that these are going to take place about the same time. So who knows, maybe, you know, the path will be involved there and she might pop up, but uh, she was one of those characters where I was like, Oh, I wanted to see more. But, you know, did what she needed to in the end. So so speaking of strong women, we have to talk about one of the greats. And we're talking about Princess slash General Leia. Uh, 
Leia. Leia Organa. Leia Organa. Yeah, I'm blanking here. I almost said Skywalker. But yeah, let's talk about Leia Organa and just the wonderful job that this tiny little actress did. She stole my heart. Yeah. Give me more roles with Vivian Lyra Blair. Like, I want to see her more things now. I watched her portray Leia, and personally, I mean, I didn't know Carrie Fisher personally, but I think Carrie Fisher would have been proud. Oh, yeah. The fire and she kind of too. strength for a 10-year-old. This little girl was 10, and she brought just as much fire and passion as the older actors around her. Yeah. And I think that speaks to her talent and her dedication to the role. And that makes me so, so happy. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, from her introduction and, you know, her at the family reception and telling off her cousin, I was like, that's Leia. That's 100% Leia. Um, you know, you don't need to convince me in any other way that, that this is going to turn into, you know, this leader of the rebellion and... Um, you know, in all these different things, because she just did a phenomenal job, uh, you know, for a child actor and, and you know, her, the embrace that the fandom has given her, I, I feel like kind of what was said before, I feel like Star Wars fandom has learned a little bit uh, from the prequel era. Some, not all, but most have learned somewhat uh, of how, you know, to approach child actors and what they do. And I, she was just, and not just from her as a child actor, just as an actor in general, she did a great job. Um, you know, the emotion that she was able to play off with, with Ewan and, um, you know, it was believable. It was extremely believable um, that these two would have that fatherly relationship kind of thing. Grandfatherly. Just, yeah. However, however. You know. <laughs> I that. love that. I love that little jab. She Grandfather, does maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I like the arc that they gave her as well. The, at the beginning of it, not wanting to have anything to do with being a princess. And then at the end, she looks at her father and goes, we're going to change things. Yeah. <laughs> that made me really happy. It was nice to see her go from, I don't want this to, okay, fine. But we're going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, yeah, Bale, Bale just is wonderful. Like, okay, yeah, we're, yeah. we're doing it. I agree. <laughs> like, I loved it. So, yeah. so Chris, as as a teacher, you obviously see a lot of students come in, in and out of your door. Like, what do you see in young children that you think gives them um, opportunity to grow into a leader? Like, like did Leia, does Leia remind you of the students that you saw that would become like leaders later on in life? Well, I think the thing that makes her stand out is she knows who she is to a degree, you know, obviously learning more about, um, you know, her real parents from Obi-Wan and uh, another moment of tears from there of, you know, Obi-Wan telling, you know, these are the things that you got from your mother and the gifts from your father. Um, but she, she's confident in who she is and who she wants to be. Um, you know, when, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, well, we're not gonna be able to get those doors open. I can't fit in there. She's like, I'm going to need a ladder. You know, just that confidence that, all right, fine. If you guys are going to do it, I'm going to take care of it, right? She's that same person. Someone has to save our skins. Exactly. She's the same person who grabs the blaster and shoots out the, you know, vent. It's like into the garbage chute, flyboy. Like, it's that same person, um, you know, confident, knows who she is, uh, and, and really is putting herself on a path for leadership. Um, 
even if she doesn't realize it at that point. You know, I think by the end of this, she realizes that she can make a difference now that she's seen the galaxy, she's seen the empire, she's understanding the reality of of the galaxy that she's not just living on Alderaan in this utopia, this peaceful place. Um, and so now she basically takes that confidence she has and wants to put it into action. And so, um, yeah, it, they just did a great job of portraying that of, of, you know, somebody who is young, who you can kind of see this potential, um, really putting that out there. I thought, I just thought it was so funny that she kind of had like a soft spot for droids and throughout the show, oh. she was always so nice to the droids and she's like, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of alive too. And then we see her in episode four, just completely walk over Chewbacca. <laughs> I love little Lola she had. And it kind of goes back to Rise of yeah, Rise of Skywalker when she tells Ray, like, never underestimate a droid. Right. <laughs> because she's had Lola from like, I don't know, maybe day one. But yeah, I just I loved her so much. And Lola and oh my gosh, like Words can't describe how perfect this little girl was in that role for me. She looked like Carrie Fisher. She, and like you guys all mentioned, did such an outstanding performance. So uh, the discussion at this point is still kind of open between the executives and the cast and the crew about a possible season two. So is that Money. something we want to see or do we want to see this show just take take this win and and uh, do do a settle with it? I want it. I want a second season. <laughs> I want to see more. I want to see more. Selfishly, I just want more Ewan McGregor. But um, also, that was a short amount of time as to all of that time in between the days of Ben Kenobi in episode four. So like, it would be awesome to see some more of that. Um, but if they don't, it's okay. But I'm still saying I want it. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I would love to see more um, if the story is right. Uh, you know, kind of the same way of how I felt about the series in the first place of, do I want it? Do I need it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, there's a part of me now that we we do have that final tie-in with Qui-Gon and getting those lessons where I kind of, if we do a season two, give me some ethereal mind story where he has to go through things kind of like, you know, one of Yoda's kind of final arcs that he does on the Clone Wars of, you know, the path of the dark side and, and all those kind of things and figuring out how does one become one with the force, um, you know, more attuned with it. I think give me something different. Give me, you know, some sort of piece that's really going to give you and another chance to just show his skill as an actor um, and totally turn people's heads for, you know, another thing of what star Wars could be, uh, you know, where it really character driven and it's really just him, you know, almost to an extent, and except for maybe the occasional going down to Chalman's and, and getting a drink because we all know that Obi-Wan loves his drinks. So, uh, but you know, that, I think, I don't know that personally for me, I think that might be something interesting to see. Yeah, uh, it would be kind of cool to have a season two and kind of have a different mirror between Anakin and Obi-Wan again and have Obi-Wan kind of learning what it, how to become a Force ghost and learning from his former master. And then we could have, like, Darth Vader, like, really learning the more dark side type 
uh, Force side and really learning more from Palpatine because it would be great to have like Palpatine training Vader and and learning about the kind of like history of the Sith. That would be cool. Like that would be cool. Give me some Darth Paragus flashbacks. Yeah. Like that would be so cool. I would love to see a series that follows the Sith like that. That would be really awesome. See, I feel like they could even take, you know, like Paul Kemp's Lords of the Sith book that really does dive into, you know, Vader and after, you know, Revenge of the Sith and, and you know, these kind of things and basically, you know, Palpatine and Vader and some of the things that they go through. I think I'd want to see that separate, though. Um, I feel like the Vader Obi-Wan story is complete until they meet again on the Death Star. Um, so I, I feel like you don't need to have them again in the same thing. Um, you know, it's kind of where I, I'm on this. That's a good point, Chris. I don't, I kind of feel like the confrontation that they had and, you know, Obi-Wan kind of trying to walk away the better man and not give in to not only his failures, but his like deep fear of seeing, uh, Darth Vader terrorize the galaxy again. Yeah, I I agree. We need to see these. We don't need to see these characters meet up again until the Death Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So so Chris, like, what for you was the biggest add-in to the mythology and canon of the show? Was there something introduced that really interests you, or was there some type of callback that? really was like a deep cut into lore that you know me amanda as kind of like casual star wars fans like wouldn't understand at all that surprised you um i wouldn't necessarily know about say about deep cut but i think the thing that they added in and i kind of brought this up before but the path um you know this underground network this you know underground railroad trying to get force sensitive users to safety um you know jedi who escaped and and basically kind of building onto this story of, of Jedi who survived Order 66, but also the story about people who were Force-sensitive after that point. Because that was another thing that really hasn't been addressed, I don't think, really, in Star Wars all that much. Um, you know, they've talked about, like, oh, here's Jedi who have gotten away. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Quinlan Voss, or, uh, you know, that was obviously brought up, and, you know, that's come up another place before that, okay, he survived Order 66. But um, I think the, the the idea of the path that there's this underground network trying to get people to safety, um, trying to keep that part of society alive, um, really, to me, I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, it it doesn't take anything away of, you know, Luke and everybody was, you know, so I was like, well, Luke is supposed to be the, the last hope and all that. Well, yeah, he is. He's the one who's going to bring balance. That's, that's different. But um, I think just learning more about that side of things and really kind of the beginning of the rebellion as that, because the rebellion isn't even an idea yet at this point, really, you know, yes, there was the deleted scene in revenge of the Sith that, you know, take that as canon or not, but Really, there's not much going on. Um, but this kind of, of thing I really liked. I guess kind of his deep cut, too, of you know something that kind of added to uh, the story was seeing uh, Tara Sanube, unfortunately, dead in the you know caverns of the uh, 
you know, Inquisitor's base there of Fortress Inquisitorius because, you know, he has one of those stories in the Clone Wars that I particularly like the most of the lost lightsaber. Um, you know, and I actually have a quote uh, of his uh, on my desk, actually in my classroom. Uh, and it's the very, very end of that episode where he, he basically tells, okay, now that you have learned this, go and tell the Padawans, go and teach, right? The idea that, okay, you know something, now go and teach that to other people so they can know about it too. So, um, you know, seeing him dead, it's kind of an awe moment, like, no, why? But, you know, like like a Jedi, you have to let things go and, you know, can't have attachment. But, um, you know, that, that, was, that was something for me there. So, Marshall, we're going to see uh, Hayden Christensen come back in the Ahsoka series. Mm-hmm. So are you hoping for kind of like flashbacks to like an era when they originally met? Or are you hoping for an older Ahsoka and an older Darth Vader kind of confrontation? To be honest, um, I don't know much about Ahsoka. Um, so I'm very excited to watch the series. I've actually never seen all of the Clone Wars series. Um, so that's something on my list that I now really need to watch. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Um, I, I, um, due to certain things in my life, I stepped away from Star Wars for a long time. Um, and it wasn't as prominent in my life um, as one of my many fandoms. <laughs> um, but this Obi-Wan series has definitely resurged that for me. So I do plan on going watching and watching like the animated Clone Wars and things like that. And learning about these characters that I don't know anything about. So for me, I would love to see flashbacks of them meeting and stuff and then also getting to see what it's like now for her. So I, I'll take either because I'm still learning about other Jedi in the world of star Wars. Yeah. I think to kind of piggyback on that, I think for me, I almost would rather see Anakin as a force ghost, um, helping his old Padawan the same way that Qui-Gon's helping Obi-Wan now. Um, you know, and so adding more credence to that force ghost Anakin at the end of, you know, return of the Jedi. Now here is, you know, cause we have Ahsoka, you know, the white at the, you know, as people call her uh, at the end of rebels and, you know, she's become this otherworldly, you know, non Jedi almost, you know, are there things that Anakin, this Sith Lord who redeemed himself can teach her about balance in the force and, um, you know, even if it's just something small like that, uh, you know, I would, I'd be very happy, but, you know, since they put him, you know, de-aged him somewhat in this series for, uh, you know, pre attack of the clones, I think they could definitely put him in clone wars era with, you know, Ahsoka. Um, but I'd, I'd really like to almost see him as, it was like a force ghost version. I think that'd be cool. So do you want, um, the Ahsoka series to kind of like, uh, retcon anything in clone wars or revisit anything in clone wars or are you satisfied with clone wars and you you just want to see like a new type of relationship develop yeah you want to see the the force ghosts and and yeah like, uh, yeah and it can redeem think... after redeem redemption 
Yeah, I think there's their story in Clone Wars. I mean, because it ends really, I mean, beautifully. You know, Ahsoka leaves the Order. She does come back for this one final thing. And, um, you know, there's this little bit of a connection. But then the next time that she sees him, he's Darth Vader. You know, the next time that they confront each other, it's, you know, it's in Rebels. And, you know, she realizes what happened to her master. And um, for her to see what becomes of him after that point, that redemption, um, I think is important for her. And I would like to see more of that because it even adds maybe a little bit to the, you know, line in, you know, Book of Boba Fett uh, where she says to Luke, you know, you remind me of your father, uh, you know, and, and, you know, where those kind of things come into play too, because, you know, I, I think I'd like to see where their relationship goes from here. Sorry for my dogs fighting in the background here, but yeah. Is that a Wookiee? <laughs> I know. I wish. They're cuter. <laughs> You really need to stop uh, podcasting from the Rancor pit, Chris. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, any any final thoughts we'd like to share on this on this series before we uh, we call it a day here? Um, I think we need to discuss the fact that we got Qui Gon at the end. Yes. I did. Was anybody else sobbing hysterically when we finally saw Liam Neeson on the screen? Oh, Mike was. He's not going to admit it. I I really respect Liam Neeson as an actor, like coming back just for like that little snippet because he mm-hmm. he was having a lot of fun with us. He was pulling an Andrew Garfield, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, you know, I'm just above TV. I'm more of a mm-hmm. I'm more of a direct <laughs> direct to DVD guy now. <laughs> I'm more of a movie guy." And mm-hmm. he came back just for a little bit, just just to bring things full circle. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, I immediately texted my brother because you and you and my brother just had a conversation too, and my brother was like, "I loved Qui Gon and all this," so I was like, "Man, Qui Gon's back!" <laughs> so he loved that. Um, um, I really too just wanted to bring up the the end fight in Episode Six, like again, how yep. I was saying, Anakin and James Earl Jones their voices intermingling when Obi-Wan takes down Vader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just love that when he busts open the helmet and it's like, you see Hayden's like eyeball poking out and I got goosebumps from that whole entire scene. Yes. I don't know about you guys. Uh, the thing with that fight for me, it's just so much of their relationship of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, always the learner never the master you know as much as he thinks that he hasn't beat he really doesn't and you know he never beats obi-wan in you know episode four he doesn't beat obi-wan even though he kills him he doesn't beat him Um, exactly and so um the, the thing with that fight is at the end the split mask the split voices it's Anakin and Vader. It's Anakin struggling with who he is, but yet at the same time acknowledging, you know, you didn't kill Anakin. I did. Um, you know, the, the emotional beats of, of all of that were, were just perfect. Um, you know, it, it, that adding to the line of, you know, you know, he betrayed and murdered your father. You know, I was fine with how he described it, you know, from a certain point of view and, and all that kind of stuff. I was fine, but having him particularly say it, I think just added more to it and just adds to that. Um, you know, and yeah, it was just, it was great to see. 
So, um, so again, revisiting this series, where if you were to marathon Star Wars again, would you watch it immediately after? Like, what order do you? How do we watch the Star Wars movies now with these new series injecting new canon into it? Like, so, would, would it be one, two, and three, then Obi Wan? And then Rogue One and Solo are in there. So this is about the same time as Solo is taking is place. It? Yeah, it's a okay. because Solo is about ten years after Fall of the Empire. So this and this and Solo are happening right about at the same time. Okay. So, so Obi Wan and Solo, and then Rogue One. And I know there are some other uh, Star Wars series, but I have not watched them. I honestly could not get into The Mandalorian, and it's upsetting. I really enjoyed this over The Mandalorian. Like, I will take Baby Leia any day over Grogu. I love Grogu, but (laughs) I just, I loved this little Leia. She stole the show for me. The whole Disney Plus series, like, her and... Reva series about her growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Yeah, like her and Reva were my favorite characters in any of these Star Wars Disney Plus shows. So yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's always nice to see things, but highly recommend reading uh, Princess Leia, uh, Princess of Alderaan um, by E.K. Johnson. Phenomenal book. Talks about kind of her growing up on Alderaan and kind of taking on that role. So, um, if you're looking for something to bridge this in episode four, read that book. It's a really, really good book. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, Marshall and Chris, thank you so much for for coming on board and discussing Obi Wan Kenobi with us. We had a wonderful time, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. No, thanks yeah, for next week. Anytime, y'all. Yeah. Of course. Next week, um, we are having a very fun episode. We're going back to the whole upside down world of Stranger Things. So you don't want to miss out on that. And we will talk to you guys then.